Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Edward October, host of October Pod, and you're listening to a special multi-part series by A Nefarious Nightmare called Minding the Beehive. Before we begin, we felt it our responsibility to issue a stern warning. This series serves as a deep dive exploration into the attacks committed by a serial rapist. This will include detailed first-hand accounts from the victims of this assailant. While this series is meant to raise awareness and inspire vigilance, we do understand that such content may trigger painful emotions for certain individuals. Listener discretion is therefore very strongly advised. Over the past few months, Courtney and I took a deep dive into a case that is relevant in the sense that sexual assault occurs every day. A lot of the time, an abuser or assailant is someone that you know, and a common misconception is that they have a particular look to them. This is a recurrent instance that has been plaguing a group of at least 52 women over the past 13 years. Our intent is to bring awareness and also give these women a voice. With that, I'm Courtney Fenner. And I'm Amanda Cronin. And A Nefarious Nightmare presents Minding the Beehive, Surviving a Serial Rapist, Part 1. We aren't taking what has happened to these individuals lightly by any stretch of the imagination. This series is going to be a very heavy one, but very important. There's going to be some very graphic occurrences that these women will tell you about. So with that, if this topic is especially triggering to you, please feel free to exit the episode and refer back to any of our older episodes. We also want you all to know, if you're a survivor of rape, that we encourage you to come forward and tell your story it can save someone else. We, as well as many others, understand if you're not comfortable, but just as an extra encouraging push, please bear in mind that if you tell someone, it can potentially save someone else from having to go through this. I want to start by saying this. We want to thank my niece, Cheyenne Johnson, for being the extra push to get this series of events out in the open. We also want to thank the women who have survived the assailant's attacks, assaults, schemes, and various other things that have occurred. We want to remind every single one of them and every single victim of abuse, assault, sexual assault, bullying, 
scheming, pedophilia, incest, and other various horrific events that you survived. You are a survivor. You are a group of beautiful, smart, intelligent women who have taken hold of an action to speak and help prevent this from happening to somebody else. Courtney often uses the phrase, quote, I'm spiraling and I need to stop the crazy train from spiraling off the rails. And you are all trying to stop that crazy train. It's hard. It's hard. There's so many things that I could like want to be at the forefront. But I think um, two important things stand out and that's signs to look for. Um, I want other women to be aware of love bombing and manipulation and um, just having that feeling or if you've ever had that feeling that something is too good to be true just listen to that gut instinct like just do it because most of the time it's right it's there for a reason and then to any victims of the same thing or you know who are struggling with processing that trauma um allow yourself to go through it because there's stages to this and it's almost like going through a loss it's like somebody has taken something so important from you that you have to go through the stages and I really had to um I was angry I was upset and you know I had to accept things and look at them differently like there's so much that I've had to just like accept and take on since going through this but it has kind of you know helped me grow in a lot of ways and I just if I could provide that to any other victim who's struggling that's all I want because it's not easy it's definitely a journey to get through I want everyone who's listening to this if you're able and in a position to do so Not when you're driving or working or anything like that. But if you have a free second, just close your eyes and picture this. You're logging into Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, any social media. Or, you know, if you're actively seeking a romantic partnership of some sort, you're joining a dating app such as Tinder. You follow a specific hashtag such as hashtag girls with tattoos, for example, because you are indeed a girl who either has a tattoo or wishes to have one. No matter your reasoning for following the hashtag, you do and you move on to the next mindless task of your posting of your statuses or pursuing profile pictures or laughing at memes and gifts with your friends. Suddenly you receive a message from a complete stranger saying something to the effect of, You are so beautiful. Or, I think you are so cute. And normally you ignore these messages, but there's just something about this one that caught your eye. So naturally, you're curious. You click on the view profile button and start viewing the content. You notice a guy, somewhat normal and unassuming looking, maybe slightly attractive, plenty of tattoos, and he has those really nifty hipster glasses, but that's not what is getting you. He he also loves all of the same music that you do, posts super deep quotes, he has a real intellectual point of view, and he's in a band. Well, at least he used to be, or he says he is. Mm. You can't help it. 
You take the clickbait. And I mean, that's totally fine, and I certainly don't blame you. You're both young, and well, hell, we've all been there. Soon one message turns into several paragraphs, to several novels, to you really building the rapport with this guy because you are quickly falling in love with him, to flying out to his house in Arizona, or vice versa. And, you know, let's be honest, you realize deep down that you both are taking things a bit too fast, and you know, that's fine. We've all been there. You're young, you're strong, resilient, you know how to protect your heart. You believe in this, and you have this. Everything will turn out fine in the end, and even though there are a few things here and there about this guy that's just off, you still have a really good feeling about him. You arrive in Arizona, or vice versa, and you're slightly disappointed in what you come to meet. It's not that he's ugly, it's just that he isn't exactly who you would suspect. Hmm, something's off here. You think to yourself, the pictures of him were indeed him, but heavily filtered and prettied up to really play up how average and basic he really is. Oh, surely everything will be fine. And you can't help yourself. You give him the benefit of the doubt. After all, we all embellish a little on the way we look before meeting someone new, right? It's no big deal. You know him and you love him because you've gotten to know him over the past month via text and phone call. He showed you his vulnerable side and really, he means well. And you are usually very cautious. There's something really off about this guy, but at the same time, you're so chill around him. You ignore all these off feelings because it's kind of rainy outside, so it must be the weather, or the fact that you're in a totally different time zone than he's used to, or vice versa. Maybe your allergies are acting up. Yeah, it has to be that, right? It has to be. I've been with way worse, and I've been single for a while. I really do love this guy. Maybe God or the universe is lying to me, but this time, I don't know. But he loves me, and I love him, and everything will be just fine. So, he pulls out a bottle of vodka or whiskey or whatever he drinks these days. Come on, honey. He would say. Take a swig. Baby, I don't drink much. Are you sure? You'd say. I can barely handle a melatonin, much less booze. Come on, honey. Do it for me. And then we, well, we can. He'd say. Slow dance in the dining room? I've always wanted to do that. Oh, honey, can we slow dance in the dining room? Maybe put on some Halsey or even, I don't know, panic at the disco? You'd say. You're really wanting to just have a moment with this guy. I don't want to have sex. I mean, we can snuggle afterward, maybe watch some movies and talk all night? Sure, we can do that. He'd say. But I need you to drink this because it'll show me that you really love me. You find me attractive. I know you love me, honey. At this point, you've been building yourself up to think that everything's alright, but... That bad feeling is just not going away. What have I gotten myself into? You start to think. You take a swig and silently vow to yourself to spit it out every time he pressures you. Then he pulls you into the dining room and attempts to play the guitar for you. Listening to his guitar, you start to think to yourself. Oh wow, this is bad. I can't believe anyone thought this was good, but... 
I want to be polite. I don't want him to feel bad. Then he violently grabs you, pulls you into a not exactly slow dance, but he has this weird grin on his face and anger-fueled eyes looking directly into your soul. And you'd say, Uh, I, I don't like this. I, I don't like what's happening. I'm uncomfortable. Please let me go, Adrian. Please. Okay, now open your eyes. How do you feel? Do you feel violated? Do you feel shame? Are you fully aware of what's about to happen? Do you just have a feeling that you just want to, well, run? Those feelings you have encountered are what victims of sexual assault feel on a daily basis. They continue to experience PTSD from what has happened to them when a person robs someone of their livelihood via sex. The victim often feels shame and blames themselves, and I'm here to tell you, these victims of this shitbag we are discussing, he has many, are not dumb. They didn't invite this to happen to them. They were duped to believe lies from a cold and calculating narcissist, and to be honest, anyone could have been a victim of this person. Nobody is immune. Most of all, I want to reiterate the fact that none of this is the fault of the victim. These victims are amazing, strong, beautiful survivors. They are goddesses. They are the bees. Before we continue on, I'd like to share a story from the perspective of Adrian Vilducea's most recent victim, Holly Murphy, who was brave enough to step forward and tell her story. My name is Holly Murphy. I'm 28. This all took place at my home in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I don't know how long I had had him on there before I like really started interacting with my posts or just seeing him post, but it was around October um, of this past year. So October, 2021, that we started talking, dating. Um, We dated officially, if you want to call it that, on October 25th, he um, asked me to be his girlfriend after just a few days of talking. And I don't really know why I went with it, but I, you know, I'd been single for a little while and I just figured I would give something different a shot. And we had some pretty good conversation from that point on, but He was a little pushy with like meeting in person, which, you know, I knew was going to be an issue at least for a little while when we agreed to start dating each other. Um, I'm a single mom and I don't really get any opportunity to travel anywhere. And he kind of knew that off the bat, but was still pushing to come here. So we had talked about planning a trip and um, I knew that at that point it wasn't really going to be an option until after the holidays and my son's birthday, which was in January. So um, after dating for about a month, I went ahead and booked him a plane ticket for January 8th. Um, Yeah, it was the Saturday, it was January 8th. My son, I had arranged to go with my dad for that whole week. And um, he flew in and I picked him up from the airport. And that was the first time I met him in person. It's strange because, like, I've always prided myself on, like, getting vibes off of people. Like, you know, knowing 
their demeanor, their mood or attitude just by being around somebody. And like from him, I just, I really could not get a good read on him. And I didn't know why that was like, even when we were dating up to like meeting in person, like I kind of felt in my gut that something was off. I just didn't really know. And even until, you know, the incident, like I didn't know or see what exactly was wrong with him until then. But I did feel uncomfortable. Yes, something about his presence just did not sit right. And I just couldn't pinpoint like what exactly was wrong with him yet. So right away, I noticed that he didn't look like he did in his photos. And I kind of had gotten the vibe that that was going to be the case already and had prepared myself for that. He had had been pretty vocal before meeting in person that he was worried that I wasn't going to like his physical appearance. And um, I'm not like, I'm not a shallow person and I'm not really someone who goes specifically for looks. So I didn't really, you know, see too much a problem in him not looking exactly like he, he did online at first. Um, but, and I, I, was attracted to him in my mind. I thought that I was. He was, you know, telling me everything I wanted to hear on a daily basis and saying things that nobody had ever said to me before. So that's what I was really attracted to and holding on to. But I didn't feel that physical connection around him at all in person. It's kind of frustrating when I do like look back on some of the conversations or things that had happened prior to him coming out here because it was enough to make me almost cancel the trip a few times. Um, he was really controlling and possessive and just really didn't like for me to do much of anything, which already is hard for me as a single mom, but like any opportunity I got, like it was an issue or he just didn't trust me and accused me of cheating or being with somebody else. And it would just be over stupid things. Like he wouldn't have any proof of that, but I would feel good and post a selfie that day and automatically it was for somebody else or like just questioning my loyalty in different ways. And I'm a Taurus, so that's like one of the biggest no-nos for me because loyalty is like, yeah, just really anything like um, hanging out with my best friend or having a friend over like was, you know, something I would get reamed out about and um, I kind of knew that, you know, he had some jealousy issues from things that he had told me about his past. He basically blamed it on other exes or just, you know, anything to like take it off of him. And, you know, I had tried to like talk to him about that kind of stuff. And I would get to a point where I thought that like we had a mutual understanding and, you know, he wasn't going to be that way again. And then the same thing would happen over and over again. Documentaries and stuff and like things I've tried to like inform myself with on 
this topic, um, a lot of abusers are the same and they use like the same tactics and like they're all narcissists. So it's just really, it's really strange when you like, you know, speak and make comparisons between abusers because, you know, what they're doing has worked for them and that's why they do it. And they definitely seek out vulnerable people or kind people or people they deem to be weak because they're emotional or whatever. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting behavior for sure. And like whoever he is targeting at the moment or dating or talking to you, he wants to single them out from everybody. But while he's also talking to whoever he wants, like, <laughs> It's nuts. So his actual full name is Adrian Steven Vildusaya Jr. He is a junior. Um, aliases that I know of are his, his different Facebook names have been Adrian Steven, Adrian Esteban. Um, he had Adrian Vildusaya on there at some point. Um, He's, he had a different variation of Adrian, and it said it was spelled A-R-D-I, and then his middle name, but just Steph. So he's changed, he's just changed variations of his name, which is his name on Facebook. Practically every time he's been called out publicly for something and his name got a little out there. It had never been quite as out there since my incident, but people have tried to you know, out him before on public platforms for creepy behavior and other things. And every time he did, he either would go into hiding for a little bit or he would just pop up a new Facebook name. And I guess it had worked for him up to this point. Um, I also happen to know that he is given the name Adrian Gray to minors as his name so that um, they wouldn't be able to find him in real life or give his name to, to law enforcement, I guess, if they had found out his age after the fact. So we've been establishing a timeline as best as we can with what we've known about where he's traveled, who he's talked to, and who he's tried to date. and. As far as we know, this dates back at least 10, 11 years. Um, we've known and chatted with people who've known him before that, who just didn't have the best things to say about him even then. So as far as how long, I, that, that's what we know of is 10 years, which is still a pretty significant amount of time. Um, so he flew in on a Saturday and I had taken off work and I was, of course, excited, anxious, you know, going through a lot of emotions on the way there because, you know, I had never really 
met somebody in such a way and you know there was a lot built up to that and a lot of expectations I think I had and I was kind of all over the place but I picked him up and you know my nerves didn't really change that much I was trying to feel comfortable but again when you're around somebody the first time even if you've been dating them like you you're gonna feel a little awkward and not everything is as perfect as you think it's gonna be and um we didn't really do too much the first day immediately he asked me to take him to the liquor store and that was like on the way home from the airport and he had no money so i bought him whiskey and we came home i was like getting over a cold at the time and wasn't really like feeling the greatest and he had traveled all day so we came home i think we ate dinner he was drinking i'm not a drinker but you know i figured he had been traveling i was just making excuses for it whatever and um we spent a little bit of time together he like played his guitar for me which was not great by the way for somebody who had been a former bless the fall band member so they said but um it was awful and i kind of wanted to die a little bit inside but we went to bed and um the next day like i was still not really feeling too hot we really didn't do much but like lay in bed all day and things didn't really like feel weird yet like i was still just getting used to trying to be around him because like like i said before being with this person i was single for a really long time so like going from that and even a long distance relationship which is like cool because it's like only on a certain level i'm not like actually used to being around somebody and you know we're only day two lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details at this point and i really wasn't feeling that well anyway um but he was a little bit hungover from the the night before he had too much to drink um and he really didn't even eat that much at all all day so we got drunk pretty fast and kind of same situation with the second night um the third day we were going to be meeting like one of my best friends and like i wanted to introduce him to like people in my life who had you know obviously heard me talk about him for a while and was like looking forward to meeting him and um i got a call from my doctor that was like unexpected with like health related issues and i was just kind of like anxious about it and like talking to him about it and um after that i like distracted myself with like getting ready taking a shower getting ready to go out and he had been playing his video game that i had thought and at some point i like came across him an hour or two later in the kitchen and he looked scary like his eyes were completely black he 
was definitely blacked out and I was thrown very off guard very quickly because I was like, what the heck? Like I knew he had kind of finished what I had bought for him. So at first I like didn't even know where he got it, but that wasn't my concern at that time. Cause like off the bat, he just seemed like aggressive, anxious, weird, like just really quick around me and like kind of stumbling and like just getting aggressive about like really small, weird things. and. I just was like, whoa, like, clearly I'm not taking this person out to meet anyone. Like, I was not prepared for, you know, him being drunk at, in the middle of the day. So somehow I convinced him to, like, lay down and basically tried to force him to sleep by, like, rubbing his back and his head, just, like, you know, trying to get him out because I knew at that point there was, like, nothing else I could do. He was already wasted. And I just kind of like continued with my day. I was really annoyed. I couldn't believe that like, you know, this grown ass man was drunk in the middle of the day when we like had shit planned. I was just like over it. So I was like watching TV in my son's room, which is like directly across from my bedroom and just trying to relax and unwind for a little bit. and. Um, shortly afterwards, he had woken up and stormed in the bedroom and he just looked so scary. Like I like, you know, see his face like in flashbacks and I just like see this like blacked out. I don't even know if I can call him a person because it's just like when you see somebody look that terrifying you just don't think that there's a soul present and that's how I felt and he basically told me to get the fuck back into the bedroom and that I needed to come in there and be with him immediately and I was like okay um already not in the mood for it but just embracing what was coming next and he snatched my phone out of my hand like immediately. And I tried to get it back from him. Um, I was a little aggressive with him at first, just in my demeanor with like, give me my phone back because I knew that like, you don't take somebody's phone unless like you don't want them to contact somebody. So I was already afraid at that point and trying to, to grab my phone back from him, but he would not allow it. So. At this point, I tried to just go to bed because it was close enough to that time and I just wanted to be out of the situation. I didn't know how to, so I laid down on the bed and basically just tried to ignore him and that set him off and he rolled me, he took my body from one side of the bed, rolled me over and immediately started choking me out with both of his hands. And while he was choking me out, he was spitting in my face and he was calling me a whore and a slut. And I, yeah, it's, it's heavy and it's hard to like even say it with a straight face, but you know, I've really worked on getting through how that moment made me feel and you know, doing what I can to stop it from happening again because just everything about it was so calculated down to the very last thing. But um, 
So as he's choking me, saying these things to me, um, he's like holding my arms down. Everything I was trying to do to defend myself, like blocking me. And uh, I noticed that the more I was crying or upset, like he liked that. And he was kind of getting off on that fact. Oh, um, he also said to me, God, you're such a victim. It makes me sick. And he said, it sucks that you made me do this to you. Like as I was like reacting and upset and emotional because he was hurting me and abusing me the way that he was. And um, at some point after those things were said, something just like clicked in my brain that was like, you just gotta do what you gotta do to stay on his good side until you're out of this situation. Because obviously like he's done this before. It was just like, everything in my being had told me like you're not safe just do and just do what you got to do and immediately i kind of like snapped out of it snapped myself out of it and brought myself back and was like i'm good i'm fine like it's okay like we can go to bed it's fine and i tried to just roll over and go to sleep but i i had already known that like doing what he did to me excited him so I had kind of tried to prepare myself to brace myself to get raped next and he started rubbing on my body and the next thing I knew um I was telling him like don't touch me I don't I don't have energy to fight you off like just just don't touch me and he was like well you don't have to do anything and then proceeded to rape me. And immediately afterwards, I just laid there and wished that I could like die in that moment because I just couldn't really process or like fathom what the fuck had just happened to me. And, you know, before I could even have a second to do that, he said, you need to promise me something. And that's that you never tell anybody what happened tonight. (laughs) Hearing that, I also knew that the next morning I would have to put on an Oscar-worthy performance to get away from this guy. I tried to, like, block out everything that I, you know, was very much conscious and there for the entire time, but I had to go into survival mode the next morning and turn on a smile, make his coffee, feed his ego, just stay on his good side to like make him think that I'm not thinking about what happened to me last night at all. Like I'm ready for a new day. I, you know, completely forgot about it. And um, I had gotten ready for work, but I did have to endure him raping me a second time that morning before work and be consciously aware that I couldn't fight it this time because, you know, I I knew that if I had caused any issues or, like, made a scene, he wouldn't let me go to work or he would hold me hostage in my house. And before my sexual assault, when he before he even physically assaulted me, like, I kind of just knew what was going to happen and um you know unfortunately was able to like 
brace myself a little bit beforehand, even if I couldn't process it right away or like, you know, and I didn't really process it right away. It took, it took a little bit because, you know, I think everything in your nature and instinct wants to just like forget about it or like block it out because it it just feels so so shameful even if it's it's not ever your fault it's just how you feel and it sucks but i went through that a little bit and it took finding other victims to pull me out of that and kind of see the bigger picture of what it actually was you know, it's hard to prepare myself for, like, who could ever imagine being in this position? You know, anyone who's ever been in my shoes before, like, I just want to hug them because it is so hard. Like, even being strong, like, I know I've been strong. Life has unfortunately put me in situations where I was in survival mode many times before. So, like, I recognized it and I knew what it was, what I needed to do. And yes, it did, it did save my life. But, you know, it's still something that I have to carry and that forever changed the way that I look at life and, you know, things that have happened to me. Why are people not put away for longer? Why are they not, you know, it's frustrating. It's sick. Like, you know, we are, so like woke and grown as a nation you would think that like this shit should not be okay in 2022 like pedophilia rape like all the uncomfortable things that nobody wants to talk about there are people walking free getting away with every day like because of the way our system is and something needs to change it's it's not okay um you know it's had an impact in different ways on probably everyone in my life going so public and being so vulnerable with my story kind of put me on blast essentially in my personal life and otherwise i'm a hairdresser so like my close clients that were on my social media kind of had to go through that with me and come see me and talk to me about it and then there were people and my and my close friends who were kind of worried about me when this all started unfolding you know they were happy that i, I felt like i I wasn't alone once I started finding other victims, but then they kind of wondered if I was maybe too invested in it for, you know, just going through fresh trauma and not really having the time to process it along with finding all these other victims. So it's definitely been a roller coaster since the event happened up to now. And I've had a hell of a time finding balance that's for sure but i think i'm finally getting to a point where you know i i'm taking that for myself i'm allowing myself to have that you know this happened and it did change a lot of things in my life but i'm not going to give it the power to take everything away from me including my peace like that's the most important thing that i can have going through something like this so I've really had to fight for it and 
you know, it's been hard because I'm, I did kind of start all of this. I mean, people have tried to get the word out before and, you know, warn others and it hasn't gotten this big and it's only gotten this big because I have a lot of people in my life who love and care about me that I'm really grateful for. And, um, you know, they wanted to make sure people were aware that someone like this was out there and they spread the word for me as much as they possibly could when I really didn't have any energy but to just say that it happened to someone after the fact and um, finding a lot of these girls kind of gave me that strength and willpower back because you know a lot of them either had time to process it or you know, knew exactly what I was going through and just having that little bit of validation afterwards was really life-changing for me. It's hard, it's hard. There's so many things that I could like want to be at the forefront, but I think um, two important things stand out and that's signs to look for. Um, I want other women to be aware of love bombing and manipulation and um, just having that feeling or if you've ever had that feeling that something is too good to be true, just listen to that gut instinct. Like, just do it because most of the time it's right. It's there for a reason. And then to any victims of the same thing or, you know, who are struggling with processing that trauma, um, allow yourself to go through it because there's stages to this and it's almost like going through a loss. It's like somebody has taken something so important from you that you have to go through the stages and I really had to. Um, I was angry, I was upset and you know I had to accept things and look at them differently like there's so much that I've had to just like accept and take on since going through this but it has kind of you know helped me grow in a lot of ways and I just if I could provide that to any other victim who's struggling that's all I want because it's not easy it's definitely a journey to get through um, so I had to actually get a refresher on this from Grace, who is like my other um, main partner in crime and all of this. And she basically saw this this positivity bee meme and thought it was really cute. And it was like the first positive thing that she had seen after we kind of came together and like we're talking about these horrible things that had happened to us and she shared it in the group and we all kind of loved it and then I think she changed her cover photo on Facebook and a friend of hers dropped another positive B meme and we were just like this is you know kind of something we like and identify with like and it's got a positive message so why don't we use that as our physical symbol? And we all loved it. And then one of Grace's friends actually created a logo for us and we've been using it. 
He does have a very specific type and we've actually kind of narrowed down like his tactics on some platforms of how he reaches women. And we know that on Instagram, he does target women through the hashtag girls with tattoos. And that's terrifying, but like huge because any girl anywhere who was using that hashtag He's probably going to stumble upon um, at some point. So yes, as far as like um, girls that he goes for, they're usually goth. All they have tattoos, piercings. But we also know that he's on like nine or ten dating sites, and not all of these women have tattoos, and some of them are older. And like. Really, it just seems like when he is searching for a victim, you know, he if he can get his type, okay. But if not, he's gonna go for whatever's biting and he will try until he makes women uncomfortable, till he gets blocked, till he literally cannot anymore. He's also been known to like change his numbers a lot so that the women who have blocked him including victims, mainly victims, he can reach back out to at a later date. It's cringy, all of it. I want them to know that this has ever happened to them, that they're not alone. Um, It was like really everything I needed in the beginning was to just know that, even though like in life I've known people have been abused or like you hear things but you just don't realize how common it is I guess until you know it happens to you or somebody close to you and um, just want you to know there's help out there Um, there's so many resources and thank God that you know when I did report what happened to me I was given a lot and I'm really thankful for that but um, also I want women to just be aware of the signs of manipulation, gaslighting, love bombing. Um, Please educate yourself on those things because it could literally save your life. Some of these narcissists are, you know, not as extreme as this one. This one is just a rare breed of evil, but you know, um, emotional abuse is real too. And they all kind of use the same tactic. So just beware and as far as what I want to happen, I just want the word to be out there about him and abusers alike that this is real, it's happening, and unfortunately we're in a day and age where they have social media and dating sites and platforms where victims are easily reachable even if out of state because it hasn't stopped him and he's traveled to at least 12 states that we know of that we have confirmed victims in or almost victims in countless more that he's tried. So, you know, the youngest confirmed rape victim that I know of is 16. And the day that I found that story out, which was the first minor story we had gotten, I cried for a whole day. I was at work and I was crying in between clients and I just did not know how to, I was grieving for, for that, that girl, but it, 
at this point, you know, she's now a grown woman, but I was crying for that young girl who endured that experience with him because I just couldn't imagine, like, I'm a grown woman now, and that was hard enough. I, I couldn't imagine going that long, feeling that way, and my heart really broke for them. We've discussed it in a few episodes, but that's not going to stop. We have discussed narcissism and that many, if not all, offenders have several, nine, key traits. According to eMedicineHealth.com, the nine key traits include grandiosity, excessive need for admiration, superficial and exploitative relationship, lack of empathy, identity disturbance, difficulty with attachment and dependence, chronic feelings of emptiness and boredom, vulnerability to life transitions and suicidal ideation of attempts. We will dive deeper into these traits and this disorder in part two, but you will notice a lot of these traits in the offender, as these key traits are also present in many sexual assailants and serial killers. It's important to remember that not every narcissist will offend, but it's thought to be that every serial offender is a narcissist. In part two, you'll hear us with a few reenacted texts, which will further show an example of NPD, or Narcissistic Personality Disorder. We also want to remind you that while we're not psychologists, psychiatrists, or any kind of doctor, or even law enforcement of any kind, we have researched these things and invite you to learn about it right along with us. So we all can point to these factors from an outside perspective and delve deeper into the mind of the person as quote-unquote armchair detectives. It's not only fascinating to learn about, but it will also train you to kind of keep vigilant. I also want to add further that there is a nature versus nurture argument regarding personality disorders, including NPD, histrionic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and many others. But we cannot say with certainty that these people that have these disorders are bad people. Red flags should indeed be seen as a warning sign And that all should proceed with caution, but with the right therapy, some of these disorders can go on to lead a life of normalcy. And all the people, disordered or not, deserve to have some love and compassion. We can't or shouldn't throw every person with these disorders on an island and flip them the bird. There are a few out there who use this disorder to do good. By educating others on the actual disorder by way of personal experience, for example. At the end of the day, we can't assume with all these disorders, there are terrible human beings. But we should look into those who are terrible humans, like Adrian Vilduska, for example, and see the bigger picture. This completes part one of this multi-part series. We thank everyone for their participation in this, whether they are interviewed or reenacting or even just listening. Please be vigilant. Thank you for listening to a Nefarious Nightmare podcast. Music used in this podcast was originally composed by Ghost Stories Incorporated and remixed by Ryan RCX Murphy. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on any podcast platform that accepts ratings and reviews. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, don't be a dick and wear deodorant.